0: Welcome to the Utah Women in Leadership Podcast. I'm Dr. Susan Manson, the founding director of the Utah Women and Leadership Project at Utah State University, with the mission of strengthening the impact of Utah girls and women. Now, recently, UWLP, the Governor's Office of Economic Opportunity and the Cox Henderson Administration have worked together on an inspiring initiative to identify and highlight 100 Utah companies that do a great job of championing women. As part of this podcast, I'm highlighting many of these companies or organizations on their policies, programs, initiatives that support families and advance women. Today we are spotlighting Brandless, an e-commerce company. And I'm pleased to welcome the CEO, Sydney Tetro. Welcome, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for all your work in this space. Thank you. Yours too, I have to say, with Women's Tech Council. Sid, please take a few minutes and just tell us more about your company, the Brandless. Uh, I think our listeners would love to learn more about who you are and what you do as a company. Yeah, so
1: Brandless is a consumer product company. And we're really focused in this space of how do we help people take better care of themselves, their families, and the planet. And so we think about this in a broader wellness category and creating products that are better for you, that have better ingredients, that are better for the planet, and that just help people live really their best lives. And so we've done and we've built this company through a mix of actually acquiring other mission-driven like-minded brands and then creating acceleration for their growth um, as part of our platform.
0: So give us a couple of examples of companies you've acquired and how that looks.
1: Yeah, so about two years ago, so in the summer of 21, we raised $118 million. And that capital for us has really been about infusing acceleration on our businesses and then um, finding these mission driven brands. We've been particularly focused in nutrition and home. Okay. So as an example, one of the companies we acquired in the nutrition space is a company called Ambrosia. we actually have the the leading plant-based protein in the country. It's a phenomenal product. So we have this really unique capability to have amazing flavors of our products. So you can buy like candy bar or strawberry ice cream or like banana maple syrup in these, in these protein powders that are plant-based and they are amazing. So we acquire (laughs) things
0: like that and then really help them grow. I love that. So what the focus, again, as you know, of this podcast today is about your employees. So tell me a little bit more about, first of all, how many employees do you have generally? How many are in Utah? What's that ratio between men and women? Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so as an organization, we have about just over about 150 employees. Okay. Our headquarters are here in Salt Lake City. And all of our synergy and acceleration teams are based out of Salt Lake City. We have acquired companies out of Utah. So we do have offices in Florida and in California. Of all of our team that sits here in Utah, we sit at about 50-50 men and women um, across the board. That's true in our leadership teams, too. Um, One of the cool things about Brandless is, as I came in to run it a couple of years ago, I've had the opportunity to build the team. So I've had the opportunity to just bring amazing, talented people around me who are doing a phenomenal job helping us grow. And it's really allowed us to create this team and culture of talented people where we have strong diversity and strong gender representation, and we're just building a really great company.
0: So you're in that tech space yet, and, I, and I've and i talked to some other companies that are too, that typically you don't find as many women, especially in mid to upper positions, unless you're strategic.
1: That's right.
0: And so you, when you, and, and it's been a couple of years, you said, since you were able to put this yeah. team together. So you, uh, with your background of Women's Tech Council, and in these conversations, you and I've been in these conversations for years, <laughs> have just, you know, decided at the first, we need diversity, and and crafted the whole thing around that understanding, correct?
1: You know, it's... So I'll give you kind of this interesting context. I started the Women Tech Council 14 years ago, and I did it for the same reason that you do so many of your initiatives. We want to make a difference. The thing that I didn't fully appreciate, because it wasn't even on my radar, is how much of a difference it would make in my network and access to amazingly talented women. And what that has meant is over the course of the last decade as I've built companies, is that i know these talented people and as i'm building companies and i'm finding positions and my network knows those people and they introduce them to me and it just creates this amazing ability that you have to find talent that can help you build because every company you build you need different talent in different spots and you need that but what we both know is that the way you find access to talent is based in networks it's based in those steps that are removed from you and if you haven't invested in the networks you don't have this natural access to talent that then just builds. So as we are building Brandless, it is not only is it something I care passionately about, but you want talented people in the seats. And when you know them and you can then bring all of those teams together, then you just drive great performance and great teams.
0: So you would push back I and I would, too. Um, at the statements, which I've heard in the tech, but other manufacturing and other uh, non-traditional, what what we've called through the decades, non-traditional roles for women, I've had CEOs, corporate leaders come and say, you know, we really wanted these people, but we can't find them. So that's why we have only men on our board. So what would your, you, you said it a minute ago, but summarize, what would your advice if someone came to you and said that?
1: So there's two things, right? One is, if you want talent, you have to invest in in finding networks of people that bring that talent together. Second, I firmly believe that if you don't believe that you can get women into those senior positions, there's either two things wrong. Either you you haven't really intentionally created the network or your culture does not embrace them. Mm. And if your culture doesn't embrace them, it makes it harder for you to attract that talent.
0: That is such a good comment. I've had, I've done things... Uh, workshops and speaking for engineering and other kinds of companies where companies will say, we welcome you, we welcome you. Now, I pushed back a little bit about that because you're talking about culture. That's exactly, you can say the words, but is the culture really inviting or welcoming to women? And and you and I both know that doesn't always happen. I mean, that, that alignment is not always there. That's
1: right. And you really, you really have to be intentional
0: around how you craft your
1: organizations. And I've really believed that it's required a pretty dramatic change in the way management thinks of managing. Like when you think about being a leader, what you think about today, how you develop talent, how you accelerate people, doesn't look the same that it did 10 years ago and it shouldn't. But it requires a lot of work for leaders and managers to be willing to embrace a new way And to be willing to step into that and create inclusive environments, because you can't keep doing the same things that we did in the past and expect different results. Yeah,
0: exactly. Thank you for letting me go off track a little bit on the questions we sent you, because I I think this is important for people to understand. And especially if they're hearing their leaders or saying, you know, there's just not women in Utah. There are women in Utah that are qualified, highly qualified for any of these positions. So Talk about your company in general you when when one of your team members submitted your application to be considered one of the top you know 100 companies championing women, you mentioned some of the family friendly practices or policies, the types of things that you do uh, to advance women. Tell us more about what brandless has done in this area. Yeah so I'm going to give you a little context too as as you know the
1: CEO female CEO leading this company. And also, have, as someone who has, over the course of their career, been very intentional about choosing positions that I felt like allowed me to accomplish everything that was important in my life, I try to bring that exact perspective to the way that I structure companies. So for me, that shows up in how I think about a lot of things. You know, we have policies around like we've really we have a three month paid maternity process or mm-hmm. paid maternity plan, a family leave. Right, obviously, it has maternity and any family leave because we just think that it's such an important thing inside of that. So, I view that you have benefits, I view that you have cultural ways that you do things, and then I view ways that you accelerate talent. And so, those three buckets are the ways that I think about how policies show up. So, in the case of your benefits, you're thinking about how do you, you know, and nowadays we're even thinking further about how we are going to take the next level in childcare. It's a very mm-hmm. real challenge for everyone. I've been a working mom my entire career. I know exactly those pressures and have a high sensitivity to what that is. You know, I grew up in a time where there wasn't even maternity leave, right? That you got paid like 66% for six weeks. And if you wanted more, that's what it was. That shouldn't be true. We need a great family leave policies for anyone in the ecosystem. So we think a lot about that. We've even added mental health benefits in for all of our team. We rolled that out this year. Fascinating stat within 30 days, we had more than 50% of our employees who had used the platform and had already started using the mental health services.
0: Wow. And so 30 that was day. just, oh,
1: wow. yeah, th- within 30 days. That wow. what that just tells you is we really need to be attuned to those things and start adding some great programming around there. So I think about that. I also think about how you infuse culture of inclusivity. Mm. So I have, so a lot of people when they, like they'll join the team and, They think about, okay, I've got to go like ask permission to like step away to the soccer game, right? Or ask permission to like go grab my child from school. And this is what I say. I'm like, look, you have a job, you know what you're accountable for. How about if you just get your job done and do not ask me permission. (laughs) And so I really do not feel like people should come and ask me permission to go do the things that they need to do for themselves and their family. And what we have to do is move our culture to accountability, and it's interesting because it is a big change. Like I've had many people who walk in who are like, hey, Sid, like, I've just got to like, I'm, you know, like, can I, right? Like informing is one thing, the permission is another. And mm-hmm. I've said many times, like, you don't have to ask me permission. Totally, thanks for letting me know. So it's like, make sure that we're covered, yeah. but don't ask me permission. Do the things that you need to, because I trust that you're going to do your job. That is a very big change in management style. Yeah. And as the world is fighting, how we come back from the pandemic and what workforce looks like in an uncertain economy, these things are rubbing up against each other. Like they're colliding in conversations right now. But I think all the things that we've learned in the last five years, we can't lose. We have to be empathetic. We have to allow people to be accountable for the things that we need them to do, but also be their whole person and do everything else that they need to do to make them successful and happy in their lives. So for me, it's a higher level
0: working. It's that trust. We're not used to really trust, trust that people can work at home. You haven't talked about remote work, but I know it's, it's something you do just have having that trust and, and assuming not the worst, assuming that people will do what they're supposed to. That's right, I
1: think, it totally. I mean, we so our company is set up in a hybrid work environment. You can really work wherever the best place is for you to work, right? And we still need you to like show up into meetings and, you know, do those things, but hey, whatever it is that makes sense for you in those environments, we're totally supportive of. And we just embrace this idea that you move to this higher level of accountability and that's the way that we're going to solve the problems. I do think that in this new world, there's two things happening it's requiring a different level of management leadership that we're having to train people to do. And I think it is also changing how employees have to think about participating too. Mm. Because you have to, even as a remote employee, be really great at visibility. You have to be good at making sure that you're staying connected. So I think the accountability is across every individual person in the ecosystem. How do we come together? How do we do great things together? And how are we so good at communication? I think it elevates our requirement on communication skills Far more than we ever had to be before.
0: Different kind of communication. Yeah. Different kinds of communication. Different kinds. Yep. Your ability to
1: manage. And then the other bucket I think about is leadership and promotion. For a long time, the world has sat on traditional paths of, okay, it takes you so long to get to this ranking or so long to do this, or you have to be in this position for this long. And I've really tried to lean into... How do I accelerate opportunity and the ability for people to have mobility up in the organization? And where they have gaps in skills, how do I give them opportunities to fit in those? Or how do we have real proactive discussions on those? Because for women, particularly, the broken rung is very real. There is very much a broken rung for women as they go into management, which is why we have fewer women in executive positions. So for me, in building a company, I also think a lot about how do I make sure all of this talent is on the fastest path possible. And I'm also giving them career development opportunities to fill the gaps so that they can see that lift in their own personal careers.
0: Yeah, you just talked about career development. And a lot of times people, these days, companies expect individuals to take care of all their career development. But you mentioned that, that your company takes some of that on. What are some examples?
1: Yeah, and this is a place where we're trying to even get better. because You're a young organization and you're building, you're growing really rapidly. So I think there's two buckets of career development. There's things that in, as an individual, you know, you want to work on. And that becomes your responsibility to make sure that you're in the conversations you're having with your managers to really highlight, like, hey, I'm trying to learn this new skill. Like, how can you help me do that? So I view that as one bucket. There's this other bucket as you're building an organization in career development where you see the gaps in your team and where you Mm. see an opportunity to provide overview and insight and training on a much bigger level, because you can see that if you do it, it will help you. So I put them in two separate buckets. And what I've been trying to do is almost every quarter, I've been identifying, where do I think we could be better? Where do I see the gaps on the team? Because what you start to see is you're moving people from individual contributors into managers. There's a difference there in your skill set. There's a difference in the role and in the hat that you wear. Maybe no longer everyone's patting you on the back and you're the person who's encouraging everyone else. And so what I've started to do with our head of people is identify like, hey, let's go like help our overall team in this and then let's implement some event where we're coming together and we're providing training and having discussions and then how do we incorporate that into metrics that we're tracking to figure out if we can become better at that so that it helps us grow faster
0: thank you so much and and just on that topic what differences have you seen between your men and women employees women tend to to do professional development a little bit differently um do you Try and separate those two in some of your offerings or or invite women to attend different things that are women only. Yeah, a few of your thoughts. I oh, know yeah, that's, a,
1: you know, it's a great question. So I think still think about it as as individuals like we have things that we want to lean into and places that we want to learn. So I encourage that a lot. I've actually sent a, a fair number of women um, through a couple of their local programs w- that are doing you know, women leadership programs where they've really wanted to attend. And it's been a tremendous growth
0: accelerator oh, good.
1: for them. So over the last three years, I've probably pushed six to 10 women into a couple of the programs because I think it's so, so critical. If that's the thing that will help them individually. I do not, when I bring leadership together, I do not separate them. I want all of leadership in the same conversations and in the same path and exposed to the same conversations because ultimately the dynamics that you change in work environments are because of collaboration between all of the people around the table and not isolated. So I'm very intentional about creating that inclusive space and that leadership training where it's everyone together. And on that individual level. On anyone to participate in what they want that makes them individually better and where they feel comfortable and where they feel they can get the next step up for what they're trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah, and something I've always said, I like your philosophy. Something I've always said is there is a space for women-only leadership development that is powerful, and those, and that is important. Yet we don't want everything to be about exactly. you know gender-specific. You you want a mix of things. So so um, if you're not a company that's that's big that has a whole women's leadership program within it, finding things from you know offerings from around the state or around you know. You you have people in different states, too. So there yeah, would be different the community offers. And particularly
1: here, our community does a phenomenal job of having programs that if that's what someone feels most comfortable in and it's going to help them to the next level, we should just embrace whatever the thing is that someone feels like will help their career. We should embrace helping them do that.
0: I love that. And you also highlighted one of your team members highlighted your t- Together, Better Together program. Can you tell us just a little bit about that and specifically how how you've seen it play out with women in your company?
1: One of our core philosophies is that as you build an organization, you really have to be grounded in how that translates to where you're going to give back, right? And how you show up. And so because we're anchored as being a mission driven company, it's just woven into our DNA. So we've created a a series of programs that we think about what are those big things that we do from a national level or a big um, big area? What are the ways that we show up in our local community? And then what are the ways that we let our employees show up in the places that they care about? So what I one of the things that I've really have always wanted to do is have, and we have created this structure, is to say, hey, what's the community that you're in? All of us have things we want to support, right? And we have things that we want to show up in and all of our employees do. It is awesome if our companies can show up in our communities in that way. So in our in our core benefits, we actually created a program where we create an allocation per employee that they can use as donations into causes oh. that they care about, where it shows up locally. If you want that to show up as some sponsorship at the high school or something inside of a you know some charity that you're doing locally, I want you to show up that way because that's who you are. And that's the place that you live and work and are a part of it. And we should be part of that as a company. On like things like the big community level, we've really taken a broad or a big kind of national level. We've taken a look at what Brandless stands for and what we're trying to do, mm-hmm. and places that our product and mission aligns, and really leaned into those. So we've had a couple of opportunities over the last year. It kind of changes quarter over quarter. So some companies, like say, I'm doing this one thing and I'm going to do it every quarter. We're a little more fluid than that because I think it's how our DNA has been built. <laughs> so we will look at opportunities where it makes sense. We actually just um, last week a bunch of the team helped build one of the homes for Habitat for Humanity. Oh, So we do yeah. that at a very local level. And when the Afghan refugees were coming in, um, there was a donation of furniture that needed to be built. So we went in and helped build furniture. So to, could it be in their first homes? But then we've also taken product alignment. We, When the war in Ukraine started, we happened to have a bunch of organic tampons and pads. It was a very big need. So we sent containers of those over on wow. medical airplanes over to the Ukraine when all the Afghan refugees were coming in and they were coming to off of the airplane with nothing. Like they had nothing. We happen to have product that's personal care items and baby items. And so we gave them things that they could come off and start their life in, and feel like they were embraced by something that they fundamentally needed. And we're in the midst of doing a big partnership with Convoy of Hope, which are the homeless shelters across the country in the same place of um, personal care. And so we've tried to look at places where we have an opportunity, we have products, we have services that align, and there's a place of need and stepping into those. But we do it not just at that national level that might feel disconnected. It's all the way to the human level of where someone lives.
0: I love it. Thank you so much. Um, and then then let me ask you, I've got a couple of questions left for with our time together. You mentioned in the application that you're doing returnships or considering doing returnships and then also if you have a couple thoughts on your strategies on pay equity
1: yes okay so a couple of thoughts I am a big believer in giving people opportunity and I totally embrace non-traditional paths into the workforce and that's ultimately about returnships and internships are about we actually have a really formal internship program where we have associates come in on our M&A team, lots of kids from college. But what's really also cool about us is the way that we've attracted talent is we also have people from all sorts of non-traditional paths mm-hmm. who we have not only embraced coming into the company, but also given the opportunity to have accelerated career paths and learning. So I wouldn't call it a formal returnship. It is very formal in the sense of really do embrace talent find talented people. We know there's an opportunity and we are pu- and we have pulled them in and they're just part of the company. I think yeah. it's one of the coolest things we've been able to build is just give what might not look like your traditional path opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It changes people's lives forever. Yeah. I think that's one of the coolest hats that you get to wear as a CEO running a company is that you can be part of economic development of people's lives forever and make a difference for their individual families and their communities, which ultimately impacts the state and the nation and just builds better ecosystems.
0: And returning to work, uh, what you said is it's absolutely aligned with helping people that have been out of the workforce maybe for yeah. a while. And you understand you know, that you can actually gain a lot of skills from mothering. Really? from being a parent that you can <laughs> yes. shift over, you know, into the workforce. Um, and then any, and I wear, any- I have a particularly sensitive,
1: sense uh, high sensitivity to that because I've watched my sisters do that, uh-huh. right? Or switch from industries where they didn't have domain expertise and needed to lean in and been really grateful for doors that have gotten open for them or ones that I've been able to open. So I for sure- have this hat of like, you create opportunity wherever you can. And talent exists everywhere. Just the opportunity doesn't. And we can be the people who open the doors for opportunity.
0: Well, thank you so much. Any comments about the pay equity?
1: Oh, yes. Thank you. On the pay equity side. I mean, I think when you build a company, you just have to build into your DNA that that's how it is, that there is no disparity whatsoever. And of course, you have salary ranges and you know jobs and positions because that's how companies work. But there should never even be a discussion. It should always have been built from that. And it just must be so. And that's really how we have created it. I also think as you have organizations, the conversation, you've solved pay equity, especially if you have lots of women who are part of your workforce and part of senior leadership right? because you've attracted that talent. It's interestingly something that I never even think I have to architect because it's just how I think. Okay.
0: I like that. Once you're used to thinking that way, you just do that. And you bring up such an important point because oftentimes companies are trying to change culture. Like it's not been this way. Let's think outside the box in, in, in terms of hiring women that have been out of the workforce or pay equity. But when you can start your own company or or have a merger and and really shift, you can absolutely have that happened from the start i love that and then the, my last question will just feed right into that because you're already giving some advice to business owners or leaders of companies but what final advice would you give to them based on your experience with the types of things you offer to your own employees i
1: mean i think there's two things i think you have to be intentional you you really do have to think every day about what you are building and how the decisions that you're making are helping people and creating inclusive environments. And you should do it from day one. And if you weren't doing it from day one, you should do it right now. And you should keep doing that going forward. And then you should think very strategically and diligently about those programs that make your workforce better, about those programs that make a difference for them, because in turn, it makes a difference for your company. And I think there's a lot of leading edge things that we can think about in the benefit space. I think childcare is our current number one issue. And I think it's one that we all collectively have to solve. And I believe it's going to take employers leaning in to help solve that problem.
0: Thank you so much. So thanks to my guest, Sydney Tetro from Brandless. And thank you to our listeners for taking the time to join us today on this podcast episode hosted by the Utah Women in Leadership Project at Utah State University in partnership with Utah Public Radio, USU Extension, and the John M. Huntsman School of Business. To learn more about our research resources and events, please visit us at utwomen.org. And to learn more about other companies that champion women and the Inspire in Utah initiative, visit inutah.org. Thank you.